Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you. We're going to be talking about probably one of the most important things we can talk about, how to work with our minds. Um, it's one of the most important techniques and tools that I work with my patients on sometimes very directly, sometimes indirectly, but it's always a different thread that's, you know, uh, or consistent thread, I should say with different issues. That's always kind of woven in there. And it's fascinating how, you know, we are really good at working with our bodies. So aware of our physical self, we can work on our posture. We work on our movements. Uh, people exercise and go to the gym. But as I say all the time on the show, and I try to advocate for, and maybe I'm preaching to the choir because you all are listening to the show, but we need to work more on our, on our emotional mental health, which means learning how to work better with our emotions and our minds. And a lot of us don't understand that our mind is something we do have control over and we can work with it. Uh, many individuals feel as though we can control our behavior, although some people struggle with that impulse control and boundaries and whatnot. Uh, and we sometimes just are what we call mood dependent, whatever, or thinking dependent, even whatever we're feeling, whatever we're thinking, we take it to be true and we let it guide us and direct us, gets us in a lot of trouble because as we're going to talk about, a lot of times your thinking is very extreme, biased, self-centering, and, uh, just not true. <laughs> and the same thing with your emotions. Both of them are important and we want them to be guides, but we have to work with them. We don't just buy in immediately. Just because you feel something doesn't mean it's appropriate or honest or true. Just because we think something or make meaning out of something in a certain way, that doesn't mean that that is correct or true or helpful or appropriate. We have to take these things seriously, but not literally. There's the emotional mind, there's the rational mind. We want to be combining them to both of them into a term that you'll hear in Eastern philosophy that has been appropriated by some white therapists and is called wise mind. But that is something that's deeply rooted in Buddhism and Eastern philosophy. <clears throat> and I'm going to start to call it out as such because there are some people that have packaged it up and slapped fancy theoretical labels on it. But these are not new concepts. These are concepts that have been taken. So we talk about cognitive behavioral therapy and dialectical behavioral therapy, DBT and CBT. Yes, those are a third, I think it's third wave uh, behavioral therapies, but those are rooted in Eastern philosophy, which has been around for thousands of years, long before the field of psychology even existed. So I'm glad it's been <clears throat> woven into psychology and mental health and pop psychology, but let's just acknowledge exactly where it came from. But that's not what tonight's show is about. It's about learning how to do this work. And this is powerful work. This is necessary work. And this is really what the cornerstone of mental health is, but also 
relational health. This is how we're better people. And everything's about relational health. Everything's about how we're interacting with those around us, which is part of how we also interact with ourselves because we have a relationship with ourselves. So we're going to talk about how to work more with our minds. It's a practice. It takes work and effort, blood, sweat, and tears. These are not quick, easy things. There's no such thing as a quick, you know, there's no such thing as three quick, easy steps that I can just bang out right now and I can change the way I move through the world. It doesn't work like that. This is ongoing work. It never ends. Kind of like... I love these days because of my LA, LA experience, thinking in terms of the gym and working out and exercise. You don't just go work out or exercise or practice piano, painting, football, or weightlifting. You don't just go do it a few times and think, I'm good. You practice the piano for the rest of your life if you want to be good at it. You practice your painting and drawing techniques forever if you want to be good at it. Same thing with any athletic pursuit. It requires constant attention and involvement. Our thinking and our mental health are no different, but we don't really value them enough. And we want that to just be something that's handled. And sometimes we need medications, but sometimes we don't. And we pop them as a quick, easy treatment, not really dealing with what's going on or the cause. If what's going on is a relational issue, um, a mental health issue, <clears throat> contextual situational issues, those only change with active focus and work. There's no pill that we can take that will change our crappy marriage. There's no pill that we can take that will resolve our relational issues or make us not have to do that relational work anymore. There's no pill that you can take that will cure your loneliness. You have to learn how to be a social being and participate differently in the world. That is the only thing that helps that. We have to be willing to do the work. So that's what we're going to talk about, how to work with our minds. And it's not always easy. So we're going to be talking about a little bit about self-regulation, which we've spoken about. We're going to talk about how to have more empathy. We're going to talk about how to just work directly with ourselves. And that's going to shift everything around us. So guess what also we'll be doing? Answering some of those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, that's a question. Drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want us to circle back to, drop deeper into. We want to get your needs met. So uh, let us know what's on your mind and what you want us to talk about and tackle. And we will do that. The DMs on our Loveline IG page. Past episodes of the show are always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. Binge, post, re-listen, and share. And that's important because, as I said, this is a practice that we have to be a participant in for the rest of our lives. And that's why, you know, it's awesome that people are working on hobbies and skill building for their career. But the questions also always has to be, what are you doing for your emotional and mental life, you know, because those around you, everyone that interacts with you is impacted by that. So do it for them. <laughs> everyone thanks you. The Uber driver, your barista, your children, your friends, your family, everyone is improved, your colleagues. So uh, do the work for them and for you. All right, we're going to come back and drop uh, right into it. So stick around. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast oh rachel we are back and we're talking about mental health work uh learning to work with our thinking and our minds because as i keep saying our minds are often uh extreme our thinking they are often biased and you can understand what direction that bias usually is in. And uh, often not even correct or rooted in reality. And I'm going to keep giving you a larger framework. And then we talk about specifics and the tools. But the wider framework is I want us to all be in healthy relationships where we can utilize this other as a way to help us do some reality testing. Just because you have a thought or a feeling, that doesn't mean it's correct, appropriate, or should be honored. What we want to be able to do because we're working on being in healthy relationships is check in with this other person to see how accurate our thinking and our feeling might be, but we're focusing mainly on thinking. For instance, this is what it should look like in a healthy relationship. Hey, honey, I noticed you forgot to bring home that thing I asked you to bring home. That's making me think and feel, but more importantly, think that you don't care about me and I'm not, and I'm not a, a priority. Instead of assuming that my thinking's always correct, because you, the human being in question, is right here and accessible by me, and because, of course, as Dr. Chris says, I'm only in relationships with people that I feel safe with and I trust, I can actually check in on that with you. And we can arrive at a uh, mutually beneficial understanding. So what was your intent or thought process because you forgot? And then your partner feeling safe that they can actually share their experience will either say to you, you know what? I'm sorry that that's how you heard it. That's not what the intent was. I had a lot on my mind and I completely forgot it wasn't personal. And then I expect the listener to actually live and feel and move forward from that new reality. Thank you, you then say, for clarifying. Because only you can tell me what your intentions were as to how it came to be that you forgot. And you're telling me it was an accident because you were very busy. I empathize with that. I got it. Moving on. What's for dinner? Because 
ask the person what they meant. And when they tell you, believe them. And if you don't believe this person, either it's someone you shouldn't be in a relationship with because you can't believe them ever, and that's scary, or you need to learn how to respond to reality and to be able to adjust when corrected. I don't want you to say, okay, well, I don't feel that way. Well, then update how you feel with reality. Your feelings aren't facts. Your thinking isn't facts. Your thinkings and feelings are born out of your own experiences. And that doesn't mean that that's everyone else's experience. I know for a lot of people you're saying, how could it be that if you love someone, you don't, you know, you could forget what they asked you to do. I, if I love someone, would never forget. Great, that's you. That's how, that's how you, that's how you move through the world. Now, I want though us to be also in adult relationships where your partner could say something like, you know what? You're right. I didn't prioritize you. And here's why. I was upset with you because of something you said, and I wanted to make you feel bad, and I decided to do that intentionally, and I'm really sorry that that's how that went down because you are important to me. And then the listener would go, okay, so my thinking was correct. I wasn't a priority, but thank you for apologizing. Let's talk about how to fix things so that you do want to remember things I request, and you do want to care for me, and you work through it. See how in this example, if we're on the same team and it's safe for whatever the truth to be, to be the truth, and we can process it and we can talk about it, we can share it and we can move on. That's what the work should look like. It's never okay to say, well, I don't see it that way. Well, it doesn't matter how you see it. This person is telling you the reality of their experience and they're the person in question and only they can tell us what it meant for them to do or not do something. And we have to be able to accept that. But in order to accept when they say they didn't mean it, we have to have an experience of them owning and taking accountability when they did. So we do need experiences when we say, hey, that hurt my feelings, and they say, yeah, I'm sorry, I did mean to kind of hurt your feelings, and that's not nice. So I want all parties involved to remember you have to be willing to own and take accountability when you did do something crappy for people to believe you when you say that you didn't. Because if you're always defensive and saying you didn't, well then that doesn't mean anything. So it's about being vulnerable and owning when we did harm and owning when we didn't. And that's what makes us an accurate reporter. That's what makes us someone who's believable. We acknowledge things so, we can tr so our partners can trust that we'll own when we meant something harmful. So you have to be willing to do both. The answer can't always be you're wrong, I didn't mean it. That's very crazy making. And I mean that in a non-ableist word, that actually is what insanity is like when we can't actually trust our reality of something. And it's also a little bit of gaslighting by saying, yeah, your reality, your interpretation is wrong, unless that actually is the truth. But we have to be open to being told that our interpretation is wrong. I'll, I'll, I'll use all my favorite examples over and over and over and over and over and over. Your experience of certain dynamics is going to be what you assume later down the road. You're gonna keep assuming things to be that way. Other people have different experiences around that. My favorite experience over and over and over will always be something like you, as a kid, certain things were done a certain way and a certain meaning was applied. I'll use the Mother's Day example again. It's my favorite one, it's on top of mine, I keep using it. I was raised in a family where we only said happy Mother's Day to our mother. We were not trained to say to other people who are mothers and we, it wasn't expected, we didn't do it like that. So of course on Mother's Day, I only then think of my experience. That's what I live from, so I only reach out to my mom. But a friend of mine who's a mother said, I was sad I didn't hear from you because I'm a mom. And I had to say, 
Well, don't personalize that because you're seeing it through your experience, I said to my friend, because in your world, all moms are celebrated. But in my world, we celebrate only our mom. There is no right or wrong. In adult situations, there often isn't a right or wrong. It's intent and impact. And I then said to my friend, my intention is always to make you feel cared for. And so I'm willing to now have a new understanding of that. And then my friend can say, thank you. I won't personalize when you don't, because I understand that that's not something that you were aware of or trained to do. And we hold space for both. All right, we're going to come back. We're going to keep talking about this. And then we're going to do some DMs because again, we're working on holding our, we're taking our thinking, our feelings seriously, but not always Literally, we have to always be open to correction and updating things. That's the key. All right, stick around. Don't go anywhere. If you want to check out past episodes, we are channelq.com. DMs in the IG page is where you want to put questions and topics. We'll be back listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all. All right, y'all, we are back and uh, talking about how to work more with our thinking. And key term here is flexibility, open to correction open to being, you know, get some reality testing. And if there's someone who's involved in a dynamic, we want to go to them and say, hey, here's how I interpreted that. Here's how I interpreted that. I can't even speak today. And also say, was I correct in my thinking and assumptions and checking in? Again, you're sitting there with your partner and you notice them noticing someone. Please don't think, well, I, I'm interpreting them making eye contact as flirtation and so I must be correct that that is in fact what's happening. No, you aren't necessarily correct. In your experience, if you were maybe looking at someone like that, you might then be flirting. I don't know what it means for that person, but they're right there next to you. You should ask, hey, honey, I see you staring at someone. It feels to me like that might be flirting. Can you tell me what your intentions are? And I want your partner to feel safe saying, yeah, you know what? I was probably not kind. You didn't want to have to see that or the opposite. No, I wasn't. I actually, if you look next to them, there's a friend of mine and I was smiling at him. And then you correct and you say, got it. And I know some people are saying, who does that? Healthy people do that. All the people I work with do that. The adults in my practice do adult things. That's right. We're not 15 anymore. We're not acting like kids where if I'm upset about something, it's true, it's correct, and I have to get it accommodated. No, your jealousy is not always appropriate. Your feelings and thoughts are not always appropriate and correct. We have to be willing to test them. And I want us to all be in healthy relationships where we can check in with our partner and say, is this what's going on? Even in new dating, hey, boo, haven't heard from you in a few days. Are you still interested in, in, in hanging out? Hey, we haven't gotten on a date in a while. I haven't heard from you. Are you still interested in something romantic with me? Ask questions. I want us to live in a world of transparency. Too many people are trusting their own interpretation of something and going to their friends to interpret things. And all they're able to do is, is give you their biased experience. In their time on this planet, that is what this has meant, but that doesn't mean it's the same for everyone. I want us, again, to hold our assumptions lightly because our judgments and our thinking are often extreme and biased and not correct. But again, we want to be in healthy relationships where a partner can actually tell us. Then we move into emotional regulation, which is part of all this. Part of not buying into your thinking is being able to settle yourself down enough to do the work I'm talking about. And we're talking about emotional regulation. We're talking about sensitivity, reactivity, and how long it takes you to come back to balance. Some people have to struggle and work with all of those things. For some of us, it's some of those things. Sensitivity means how easily upset are you? Reactivity means when upset, 
how intense is your response or reaction to that sensitive thing? And then time to balance means how long does it take you to, how long does it take you to chill out? So some people, they're always upset about something. They're very sensitive. Then they're reactive in that when they're upset about something, they have very extreme responses and then time to balance. Some people, it takes them days to chill out. You are, you, that must be very hard way to move through the world. It's hard on those around you and it's hard on you. Work on that. Work on being less sensitive. Work on not being upset by everything. Work on having your reactions be right-sized, meaning your response is appropriate to the level of severity of what happened. If someone cuts you off in traffic, that's annoying or frustrating. That's a two or three. Someone cuts you off in line, that's a two or three, also annoying and frustrating. Things that are over a five are violence and abuse and oppression. And you're not being oppressed by being cut off in traffic. You're not being oppressed by someone cutting you off in line. You're not being oppressed by someone being distracted and forgetting to bring something home on their way home from work. Crank it down. Oh, you see your partner looking at someone? Also not oppression or violence or abuse. Also a low-level thing. We dramatize everything. We need to be less sensitive. In a relationship, things are going to be upsetting. We can't make an issue of everything. Otherwise, we're trying to do perfect. Perfect isn't the goal and doesn't exist. We have to let some things go. Less sensitive. Reaction. Right-size it. It's not okay to have extreme responses to things that aren't extreme. That is overwhelming to you and you'll burn out your system and you will make your partner get burnt out and your friendships and everyone else. And we have to learn how to come back to balance quicker. Okay, so work on that. Am I too sensitive? Am I too reactive? Or do I take too long to come back to balance? And how can I work on that? And part of that is being in a healthy relationship with someone who you trust and you believe. And if not, please get out immediately. Because you wanna believe that that person, when you ask them what they meant by something, or you share with them your interpretation of something, that you trust that they'll give you the honest responses. Yeah, you know what, that was crappy that I did that, I'm sorry. Or no, you're making meaning out of that, that isn't true. What it really meant for me is this, because only that person can tell us what it meant. Your interpretation is not more correct. That is based on your experience and it's often extreme and biased and not rooted in reality. So I don't want us to gaslight ourselves, but I want us to hold things lightly until we can check in. It's called checking in, it's called interrogating. We don't just believe our first thought or feeling as though that's real. Because most people, as we've talked about in the show, live from what we call secondary emotions, which aren't honest, not the primary. They go to a secondary because they have shame being vulnerable at the primary. Again, my favorite example, if someone almost hits you with their car, anger is not an appropriate response, fear is. You always got hit, you should be scared. But then we go to anger to empower ourselves. Go back to fear and be like, wow, you just scared me. You almost hit me. It's always a softer response. We can't always trust our immediate reactions. All right, we're going to take, we're going to come back, do some DMs, and then we're going to come back to dealing with our thinking. All right, y'all, don't go anywhere. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, now we're back. Time to uh, slide into those DMs sliding into the dms this one says hey dr chris my best friend constantly complains about her other friend how she's a bad person doesn't care about their friendship and how i'm the much better friend which i hate being compared the other night i got kind of frustrated told her that she needs to do something about it or stop talking about it i also said if she says this stuff to me about her then i'm sure it's the other way around i know as a friend i'm supposed to be there for her through everything 
Uh, am I just being irritable setting this boundary? No, we don't always want to be the receptacle for someone else's negativity and complaining. Look, we want to be there for our friends to help regulate them, to help support them. They can borrow functioning from us. Uh, we can offer advice. We can be solution focused. We can hold space for what they're going through. We can mirror and reflect back their worth and value. But no, we don't need to be a uh, trash can for their unprocessed vomiting and that's what that is. To just complain about someone isn't meaningful, it's not constructive, um, it's not intimacy, it's just really stressing and burning us out. So I think it's appropriate for you to lovingly say, hey, listen, if you wanna talk about a solution, if you wanna talk about anything you know, positive and constructive, I'm here for you, but you can say, it sounds like you're ruminating, you're just kinda of spinning your wheels, and that isn't fun or feeling good to me. And bigger than that, if someone has an issue, we want to have what we call a one-to-one -one relationship. Go to the person you have an issue with. Otherwise, you're a part of the problem because you're allowing it to pertain. Uh, you're allowing it to uh, persist and to um, maintain in motion. Um, so, yeah, I think it's good for you to send them back to the original person. I can't help you. They have a right to know how you feel, and they have a right to be a part of that solution. I think it's very unfair to have uh, to withhold from another person a concern you might have about them because they're not allowed to be part of the solution. You're removing that choice. And so there's something very unkind in that. And then to take that complaint to another friend who can't do anything about it repeatedly, nah, that's no good. We wanna be there to help co-regulate, which means the other person does some of the work themselves, but if they just come to us to do it for them, no. And like I said, we don't need to just be on the receiving end of negativity. Um, so there's a huge difference and what you're doing is actually healthy for you and healthy for them. You're not helping them ruminate, you're helping them build skills and you're taking care of yourself. So there's a lot in that actually for us to all learn. Like for such a simple question, I think there's a hefty lot of um, skills and, and gems in there. So really kind of sit with that. What are you bringing to your friends? What are you contributing to their life? What kind of stuff are you dragging in? Your friends have a life that's in motion. They have their own concerns and struggles. So take digested, reasonable, meaningful material to them. You know what I mean? Work through things, talk things out. But to just vomit on them, that's just not right. And I don't want partners to have to deal with that either. You know, again, there's a difference between healthy intimacy and emotional sharing. There's a difference between that and like I said, just undigested, unprocessed emotional vomiting, which isn't healthy for anyone. And your friend, and I'm saying this to the author of this question, isn't being a good friend to the friend that they're upset with because like I said, they're not taking the issue to them so they can be a part of solving it or fixing it. So your friend is just kind of keeping that problem going. You know what I mean? And I hate when I see that. I see that in couples in my office where someone never brings up or brings in a concern, lets it go too far, gets resentful and angry, and then just wants to leave the relationship. Well, that actually says a lot more about that person than it does about the one they're upset or complaining about. And again, healthy people are aware of how they're impacting others. And that's my biggest concern in this question. Is this other person, the complainer, is negatively impacting the author of the question and the person they're complaining about? But yet, thinks the issue is the person they're complaining about, but it's them. They have really bad relational skills, really low emotional intelligence. This whole dynamic reeks of that. This person's very unaware. And so I think it's important for you to kind of hold a mirror up and say, let me help you understand what's happening here lovingly. And a healthy friend will be like, thank you for pointing that out. Thank you for being constructive with me. Thank you for you showing me how to be a good friend by letting me know what you're frustrated with. 
right? The author of this question, I don't want them to do the same thing that their friend they're complaining about is doing about the person they're complaining about. Like one of you in this three person dynamic needs to be a good friend by being transparent with how they feel about being on the receiving end or part of all of this. So um, help them clean that up. All right, y'all got a question for us topic you want us to hit something you want us to circle back drop deeper into drop in the dms on our love line ig page we love hearing from you more to come so don't go anywhere stick around listen to love line with dr chris on channel q and odyssey stick around y'all because guess what we'll be right back all right we're back and uh talking about a whole lot of stuff but we're basically talking about how to work with our minds differently so we're talking about uh well we're talking about a lot of cognitive correcting you know, working with cognitive distortions and also self-regulation, which are the two most important things for our mental health, relational health, and uh, just be a better person on the whole planet. So we were talking about sensitivity, reactivity, time to balance, three factors that I think are really important for someone to identify. Am I someone who's too sensitive, meaning I need to let some things go and, and not really internalize and make an issue of everything. So important. We Again, we're not going for perfect, not in our relationships, not in our own lives. We have to be able to let some things go. And then we're looking at reactivity, which means, well, when you do get upset about something, to what extent? What is the severity? And that's all about right-sizing things, where the reaction is appropriate based on the severity of what's going on. And as I always say on a scale of zero to 10, anything from five or above is something that is violent, oppression-based, or abuse. But most things in our life are a two, three, or four. It's annoying, it's frustrating, we're let down, we're disappointed. We have to right-size things. So that's reactivity. Your reaction should be usually crank that bad boy down. And then finally, we wanna be able to come back to balance sooner, which basically means chill out quicker, you know? Process, work through, let it go. And that's what we're doing that for ourselves. But some people, they are upset about everything. Everything's always an issue. And their reaction's always extreme and over the top. And then it takes them forever before they calm down and come back to balance. Don't be that person. You're making yourself miserable. It's hard on your body. It's hard on your psyche. It's also hard on those around you. Um, and then we talk about the self-soothing stuff. You know, things are going to go on. And the most important thing we can do is bring our executive functioning online so that we're not lost in our limbic emotional brain, which is not the best position. We do want our emotions to be validated, but we want to label what we're feeling. Labeling a feeling is the best way, again, to bring our executive functioning online and to start to work with it. That's a way to start to ground ourselves. So you label it. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling angry. It's important for us to be able to put a, a label to the experience energetically that we're having in our body. Because again, not only is that a starting to work with it, not only is it again, bringing our executive functioning online, but it also helps us decide what to do with it. And we're not really good at sussing out what this emotion is. A lot of people, everything falls in the bucket of anger, especially sadly men, we've been socialized. Uh, to really, really, really only feel confident experiencing that. And so we don't really have the ability to tap into a wealth of emotions. It's called alexithymia, which is someone who's not able to really identify their emotional experience. And that happens the most with men because men aren't raised traditionally in an environment where, they, where they're told it's okay what you're feeling, here's what you're feeling, let's sit in it, let's talk about it. Usually it's again, you'll be okay, brush it off, toughen up, go play a video game, go outside. You know, No one ever sits down necessarily and says, 
What are you feeling? Oh, that sounds like you're feeling sad or that sounds like you're feeling disappointed. That's okay that you feel that way. Here's how we work with that. So again, we want to label the emotion we're feeling. Then we want to maybe locate it in our bodies, which is another important way to really be more present with ourselves and to be more embodied. And again, to better understand the emotion. But the most important part is what I say all the time about right-sizing it. You're checking the appropriateness of your response. You're checking in on the intensity. And often, we're way off. (laughs) And then, another very important part, call it mentalizing, call it empathy, but we have to examine the impact we're having on the other. It does matter. And also, what the intentions might be within the other. We'll come back to that. And then we want to try to reconnect or stay connected. Because that's really what everything's about, staying connected and reconnecting. It's not really ever about right or wrong, who's right, who's wrong. It's not about convincing the other person of your position or your stance. It's really about working through discussions and issues, having the ability to work through and talk them through in a way that doesn't leave you feeling distant, wounded, or worse off afterwards. Every time within a relationship with a friend, a lover, a coworker, a parent, whatever it is, doesn't matter. We wanna be closer because of that discussion. We wanna feel safer. We wanna feel more connected. And the only way we can do that is if we prioritize not who's right, who's wrong, and the content, but if we prioritize the process, the way we're relating to each other as we're working through and discussing this. Again, often when I work with couples, the content is not as important as the way they go about processing and unpacking the content. And that's what the most valuable work is that we'll do in therapy or outside of therapy is make sure the way you go about it leaves you better off afterwards. And so we have to enter it with that perspective. I'm not here to convince anyone. I'm not here to plead my case. I'm not here to be right. I'm here to just process and discuss this. But the way we go about that is what's most meaningful. And that's where our mental health is really demonstrated. Uh, we'll come back. We're going to keep talking more about this. DMs, they're always open. So if you've got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, whatever you need from us. We'd love to hear from you. And a lot of these topics, I'll circle back. I'm constantly repeating myself, revisiting things. And that's because someone's asked me to hit it again, hit it from a different angle, and the repetition is what's most important. Um, we, we need to hear things multiple times before we maybe understand it or also start to internalize it and make it our own. One-offs don't help. We know that from the D.A.R.E. program. I'll hit that and explain what I mean by that when we come back. So stick around and don't go anywhere. You're listening to Love Live with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back, and we're talking about probably the most important parts of mental health. And I was saying repetition, we need things to be repeated. It's why I love circling back, reiterating, uh, saying it in a different way, saying it the same way. And that's why I say to people all the time, listen to the sh- different shows over and over and over, reread things, leave yourself notes, circle back, uh, have a journal with things that you want to remind yourself. It's all about repetition because we're really trying to build new neural connections and let old ones fade away. We're trying to unlearn a lot of the problematic training we've been given because a lot of the relational skill set and how we learn how to work with our mental health comes from uh, all sorts of horrible places. Our, the, however, our parents, God bless them, try to raise us and instill in us. What we've seen on television, what we've seen in our peer group, that's a huge one. The social relational health of your peer group is going to have a dramatic impact on yours because they're reinforcing and normalizing 
and elevating and amplifying. We we are all about conformity, especially in our in our youth and our adolescence. We want to be just like everyone else. We want to look like them, talk like them, act like them, and we start to really, really, really take on all of those traits. And that's why part of being a healthier adult is considering the health of those around you to really have some control over the impact they have on you. And so that's why I brought up the Dare program. The reason why we know that doesn't work statistically is because you can't have one-off interventions. People need ongoing repetition to really have something impact them or change them. So you can't do a program that talks about the dangers of drunk driving, you know, once a year and think that the impact or meaning of that is going to be carried with them in a really accessible, powerful way months later. It doesn't work like that. And that's why I'm telling people, you know, we can't just do the work by listening to this show. We can't just do the work once a week in my office with therapy. What kind of, what are you applying the work outside of therapy? Are you reading things? Are you listening to things? We want to build it in. It, that's how it works with everything and anything. And so it's all about that repetition. But basically what we're talking about is how to work with our thinking. Kind of covered that. We're talking about also emotional regulation, the important factors. And then we're talking about self-soothing. Now, what I want everyone to be able to have is healthy enough and safe enough relationships where we can turn to our partners, we can turn to our friend, we can reach out to our family member and say, hey, this is what I'm thinking or feeling, or this is the interpretation I have on what you did or what you said. Am I correct? And that is a wildly foreign idea to a lot of people that we can have what we call a direct one-to-one -one relationship again. A lot of times the answer is, I don't know, go ask them, they'll tell you. But we would rather not build that intimacy or work on enhancing and strengthening that relationship. And we would rather go off of our own interpretation. And as I say all the time, your thinking is often biased, extreme, and not rooted in reality. It's often built from your experiences. That isn't a universalizable thing though. Everyone has different meanings for things. And so we wanna be able to have a one-to-one -one relationship and if we have a question about what something meant or what someone's doing, we want to ask them. Again, I don't want people going through their partner's phone to find out whether or not they're having other relationships. I want them to check in. Hey, how's monogamy working out for you? Hey, how's everything feeling in relation to blah, 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 blah. Like I want those kinds of dynamics to happen. I want someone to say, hey, you hurt my feelings. I didn't understand why you didn't you know, show up to my party or whatever it is. Ask them what that's about. And we want, to, we want to have that safety and that transparency. And then the most important part after that, though, is we have to be able to actually correct based on the reality that we now have and not keep you know, digging our heels into um, the, the erroneous assumptions or judgments that we made. Uh, because that's what we really tend to do. We make snap judgments. And what we really want to do is just go to our partner and describe Describe what we thought, describe what we heard, describe what we felt, and say, hey, is this really what that was meant? Is that, is that how you meant it? Um, because the goal is always about staying connected. And that really is the thread that should be woven through all of this. We're doing all this so that we can remain connected before, during, and after all this because relationships have to be durable and resilient enough to tolerate disappointment, frustration, and um, some breaks in connection. But the goal is never about who's right or who's wrong. It's more about are we able to process this lovingly and stay connected. So we have to regulate, repair, and reconnect. And that's what I care most about. Again, not who was correct, not whose version was right, not who you know the victim or the purpose, but are you able to regulate and have a difficult conversation? And then are you able to do whatever repairs necessary from that? And then are you able to reconnect and stay connected? 
That's what matters. And you should be able to do those three things while processing difficult material because we're on the same team. It's a relational perspective. Often the problem isn't what occurred. The problem is the way we're managing or processing it because things are going to happen. And it can't always just be about hammering out that thing. It has to be about getting better as a couple dealing with these difficult things. And so again, that's the work, not what really happened, but how we're responding to it and processing it. The work is always about checking in on that connection. And that's what really helps you decide how well this is going. How connected are we able to stay throughout this? Um, it's ongoing work. And that's the thing. The more you do it, the easier and better you get at it. And the couples that are healthy and are sustainable and have you know lower levels of conflict are the ones that nail this and they just bang this out. It just becomes second nature. And we've talked a little bit about this, but a lot of us are often living from what we call secondary emotions. We're not living from the original, most honest emotion, which is usually the softer, more relatable emotions. And we usually spike everything up more towards anger. Well, we're gonna come back, we'll talk about that. Um, Wanna check out past episodes of the show? Go over to wearechannelq.com, scroll down, look for Love Line, click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Check out some of the other shows while you're there, and our DMs, always open on the Love Line IG page. Put your questions in there, whatever you're wondering about, someone else might be as well. You're helping them as you're helping yourself. Always anonymous, always confidential, and um, you can also put in there some topics you want us to hit, get your needs met. Uh, something maybe you want us to circle back, drop deeper into. Love hearing from you because a lot of these topics come legitly from those DMs, questions as well. So put your business in there. <laughs> we love hearing from you. Uh, but stick around and don't go anywhere because we got a whole lot more to come. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. All right, y'all, we are back and uh, wrapping up our discussion on getting better at working with your thinking and your emotions. It's a life's work. When we get emotional, we also get judgmental. Judgments aren't effective. They, 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 jump, they drive us right into a me versus you. Who's right, who's wrong? It becomes competitive immediately. And our judgments often aren't correct. They're based on our experience. And we want to instead describe Hey, here's what I was thinking. Hey, here's what I was feeling. Hey, here's what I experienced. Here's what I saw. We're staying out of judgment. I know that's shocking and difficult for people, but they're not effective. They're not mindful. Judgments walk everything into a right or wrong. And guess what? It's always about the person who's placing those judgments. They're trying to have their value system or their interpretation be the correct one. No one's pain, no one's experience, no one's feelings and no one's judgment is more legitimate or valid than anyone else's. You don't have a right to try to make your experience someone else's experience. Just describe what happened, but more importantly, drum roll, talk about the emotion. That's really what it's about. Let go of the judgments. You were bad for doing this and instead express your emotion saying, I was really disappointed that you forgot to bring that home from the office. I was re I'm really sad that you forgot to call me like you said you would versus the judgment, which is you're bad because you did this. You're wrong because you did this. They're not bad and they're not wrong. That's your judgment and it's not about judgments. Express the emotion, I'm feeling really sad. And then your partner would say, why are you sad? And you could say, it made me not feel important to you because you didn't bring home from the office that thing I asked you to. And then they can caretake that and say, I'm really sorry I let you down. Here's what was going on for me. And you can heal that. But judgments then all of a sudden put the other person in a defensive position. And now they're trying to defend themselves against the judgment 
And it was never even about that. It was about your feelings got hurt. But look at how quickly we drift away from that. So again, it's not about who's right or who's wrong or making judgments. Just talk about your experience and how you feel. Because when our emotions are high, our judgments are high. And then we start living from reactions and not our primary experience. That's a huge, huge, huge thing. Um, and that's why the framework for a lot of this is really about trying to just understand, trying to express and trying to understand. And if we stay out of judgments, no one's getting defensive and both parties can just listen. And that's, that should always be the framework. Something happened for me and I want to go to this friend or this you know partner of mine and I want to express to them how I felt and what I experienced. And then they can weigh in on that. They can process that. They can apologize. They can take accountability. They can correct our erroneous reality. They can help us put our misunderstanding in check. But we have to stay soft and we have to stay open. And so it has to be about that curiosity. Um, if, you're not, if you're not trying to focus, if it's not about the relationship, then you're missing the point. So ask questions. Share vulnerably what you're thinking or feeling, but also you have to be willing to accept your partner's response. You have to be willing to change your assumptions in response to maybe getting your reality corrected by your partner. If they said, that's actually not what I was thinking, or that's actually not what I intended, when they explain themselves, you have to say, all right, and you have to update. And I know that that's a really hard part, but you have to accept their response. And that requires us being in relationships with people where we trust them enough to correct our reality based on what they're saying. Because we're familiar with the idea of gaslighting where someone manipulatively and, and, and abusively tries to convince us that our thinking or our experience or our, or our reality is wrong. This is a healthy relational version of that where when we do share our experience with someone who we trust and love and we feel safe with, if they, if they in fact let us know that it wasn't what that was, we do wanna be able to hear that and accept that. But we don't want to be trying to do that with people we can't trust who might actually be gaslighting us. That's why I'm always advocating for the fact that all of this stuff can only really happen within safe, healthy relationships. But if you're in a relationship with someone who doesn't want to be with you, with someone who's emotionally, psychologically, verbally, or physically abusive, or someone who's a narcissist, someone who's toxic, you can't apply anything I ever talk about on the show. I'm always talking about the, the, the caveat is this is all for healthy relationships. And if you're in an unhealthy one, work on it or get out. There's your two options, work on it or get out. Work on it by you examining the work you need to do and your partner examines the work they need to do. Couples, not in couples therapy, I don't care, but you work on it or you exit. That's what we're trying to do. Um, if you're gonna stay though, that's the acceptance of like, I wanna be a part of this and I wanna be better and I wanna be aware of the impact we have on each other. Because again, our mental health is so powerfully tied to all the different relationships that we're a part of. And you can't sidestep that. You can't hack your way out of that. And so sometimes this work is about, you know, making those really difficult relational decisions about the role people should play in our lives. And as the healthier we get, the less people that maybe can participate. It's unfortunate. The healthier we get, the smaller the world is around, you know, dating and socialization. Uh, inverse relationship, unfortunately. But that's just kind of how things go right now. All right, y'all, we're going to uh, do some DMs and then we'll be back. So if you've got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics you want us to hit, things you want us to circle back, drop deeper into, and past episodes of the show over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Lots of great stuff over there because, again, it's all about the unlearning and then relearning and internalizing through 
repetition, you know, God bless it. It's all about that. Uh, but uh, don't go anywhere. We've got a whole lot more to come. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we are back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, my boyfriend moved in with me about five months ago. Ah, see, here we go. (laughs) What worked while living separate doesn't always promise will work while living together. Uh, I don't think every relationship needs to take a next step. We we often live on the uh, relationship escalator where we think we always have to have a next step and the next step is always more closeness, more commitment, living together, having a house, kids. But you don't have to do it that way. I want us to normalize. Sometimes, like, I know no one really does this. We talked a little bit about a few celebrities that were doing the living together, um, living together while apart that they chose to have separate housing. And I know a few people in my field that do that. They're like, it always will feel better. We can spend the time together, but let's have our own places. Let's never give up our place. A lot of people will move in together thinking they have to, not wanting to, but not wanting to look weird or not committed or not really in love. What a bummer because sometimes living together is the worst thing for your relationship and it kills it. And instead of saying, let's then try going backwards and living separately because we did better that way, they think, well, then we just can't be together because we're supposed to live together. And if we can't live together and we're not meant to be together, Well, wait a second. No one said you had to live together and no one said you had to be able to pull off living together. And if you can't just don't live together, but stay together, living separately, sleeping over. Like it's such an odd bummer that that becomes a total deal breaker. That doesn't need to be. Um, because when we live together, we start to deal with things we wouldn't have to otherwise little nitpicking things, too much time together, not enough space. So I want to remind you all, it's okay to say, I don't want to actually ever live with you. We can stay at each other's house all the time, but like, I want my own space or living together isn't working, but I love you. So let's live separately and stay together. That is acceptable. It is shocking. I work with tons of people that do it because one lives on the East Coast, one on the West, or someone's working on a project in a different place. Beautiful stuff. Back to your question though. You said we never really had trust issues when we lived separately. See, living together wasn't good for them. They weren't built for it. Okay. But it seems like since he's moved in, I'm finding it hard to trust him. 
Now I'm curious to see why that is. Like he'll go out without saying where he's going, which he has the right to do. But then I feel like I'm crazy if I ask him. I guess now that I'm seeing his every move, I'm finding myself worrying more and it's already affecting our relationship. Um, some people aren't really big on accountability. This person's used to living alone and going and coming as they want. Now, I will agree that when you live together, it is understandable that people want to understand where their partner's going and when they'll be back. There's just something psychologically built into us to be aware of them, aware of their absence, aware of their presence, to feel better when they're there, to not feel so great when they're gone, to have trouble sleeping alone when they're always sleeping next to us so we're awake until they get home. That's very reasonable. So it's reasonable and just also part of curiosity to be like, hey, where'd you go? Hey, what have you been doing all day? So I don't know if it's that this person doesn't want a true primary relationship. I don't know if this is someone who really values a little more autonomy. I, I, I don't know what it means for them, but that's your first question is, hey, because again, I want everyone to have vulnerable adult conversations and not make assumptions. So you have to say, hey, it seems as though it's hard for you when I want to know what you've been up to, where you're going. Can you help me understand what that means for you? And maybe the answer is very reasonable or the answer provides a solution. And then bam, you're good. Or maybe they'll say, I, I, I used to, I'm used to having more time and space alone. Living together has actually removed that. And then you can say, feel free to come and go as you want, or just maybe be open to me asking once or twice where you're going and we keep it simple. Or maybe you say, we're not meant to live together, but we can still stay together. I don't know, but you need to get more information. And more importantly, I want you to practice having vulnerable, intimate conversations where we check in and we don't make assumptions. Because if we're not comfortable checking in saying, hey, what does this mean for you? Then we're decide for them based on our experience and we're often wrong. So you need to get more information. And then maybe followed up with what would make you feel more comfortable? Because again, no solution's the good one or the right one or the complete one unless it's mutually beneficial and both feel like their needs are met. Bam. All right, y'all, that is our show. That's our DMs for the night. If you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want us to circle back and drop deeper into. We'll be back tomorrow. Spend the rest of your night focused on self-care. Beautiful thing. Prioritize self-care, which means build in a little bit of pleasure. Just do something for pleasure. Get that pint of Ben and Jerry's, the non-dairy. It's delicious. Maybe watch that movie. Stay up an extra hour. Go to bed an hour or two early. Take a bath. But build in some pleasure and self-care. And as much rest as possible, be kind to yourselves and those around you, y'all. Thanks for hanging out. And you enjoy the rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Thank <laughs> you.